0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What A Comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In the first of several installments, Graham McMillan and I talk about the new Wednesday Comics hardcover, Howard Chaykin's Black Kiss, Brandon Graham's King City, and of course, Little Archie. We hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Hey, Mr. McMillan. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am. Okay. <laughs> wow. That
2: good. <laughs> How
0: are you? <laughs> <laughs> really, honestly, I am. I am not. I really shouldn't complain. I, I'm fine. I feel somewhat overworked, but then, of course, you'll tell me what your schedule's actually like, and, and I'll feel unbelievably asshole-ish for even saying it. So,
1: I've I've already told you my schedule's like. So, <laughs> we've part, We've skipped that. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Jeff and I are complaining about our first-world problems in life.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, although, I, yeah, actually, I think I had a real whopper of a first-world problem uh, that I couldn't quite bring myself to complain about on Twitter. I mean, it was really something like completely lame like my keyboard shortcut no longer works for this program or something you know something that's just really it'll screw up your day but you just feel like you can't even begin to start talking about
1: it so, so i actually have to share first world problem with you that might affect the podcast right now oh okay which is that um so we have someone working in our house right now uh, building us a fireplace <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's, does that just sound ridiculous? Um, but they're right next to the router, so if I suddenly disappear, it's because he's done something terrible and knocked out our internet.
0: Wow, I kind of like it. There's sort of a, a bomb on the t- under the table, you know, sort of incipient cliffhanger to this recording then, you know? Like, you exactly. could just go at, any, at any point.
1: I could just go, and you wouldn't know.
0: Exactly, exactly. And you'll, uh, you'll just keep
1: talking, you'll be like, I think Bendis' Avengers is actually, and I just won't be there. <laughs>
0: And in my head, I'll be thinking, this is great. He really took that criticism from Kate to heart. He's really not going to jump <laughs> exactly. in and uh, talk over me now.
1: <laughs> He's not going to say
0: anything. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. Um, well, let me see here. We, uh, you know, I have to say, one of the things that, that sort of sucks is I didn't get a chance to really put together a list of topics. Um, uh,
1: well, can I start off by boasting? And I'm pretty sure that this is just going to like launch into something.
0: Absolutely.
1: You possibly saw me posting on Twitter earlier on, and it sounds like we should now be like, hey, listeners, if you're not following us on Twitter, you really should. Because um, we both mentioned it. I got Wednesday Comics, the hardcover, today in the mail.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I didn't seem as immediately it's, filled
1: it's with jealousy. beautiful. Yeah? It's it's kind of like and i say this as someone who loved wednesday comics it's kind of the way that wednesday comics should have been it just it's it's beautifully designed the paper is glossy and so the art looks a lot better especially in wonder woman um and just seeing them i mean it looks like some it looks like a collection of old comics if that makes sense like it looks like the old little nemo collections or something Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's wonderful it's so good i am i am really genuinely surprised that is great um
0: so you said the the wonder woman piece reproduces oh, better really, which is yes, great yes
1: uh, you could actually read it because i think one of the problems in the the serialization was that they, it sometimes printed so dark that uh, it, it made it very difficult to read yeah. and it just it's it depending on your you know On your viewpoint, it might be the prettiest thing in the book. Now, wow! Um, It's just because it's it's so well done, and you could kind of tell that in the serialization that you know there was a lot of work going into it. Mm -hmm. But um, with this, with the better printing, it's just it's it's beautiful stuff. It's it's gorgeous. Um, And the other thing that the other strip that I think really gains from the collection in terms of art is Green Lantern. For some reason, I, I didn't think Green Lantern printed badly in the original, mm-hmm. but it just looks spectacular on, yeah. the, on the glossy paper. Um, other thing that's really good about it is the um, the two strips that were never seen before, the Plastic Man and the Creeper. Yes. The, Creeper the Creeper one's alright. It, it reads pretty much like filler, but the Plastic Man one will honestly make you wish that Plastic Man had been in the... had run a full strip for the, the entire series. It's just so good. It, it's Kyle Baker doing a broad comedy in terms of the writing and Stephen DeStefano doing wonderful art. I mean, wow. it's, it's really, really good. I'm not going to say it's worth the price of admission by itself because this is a $50 book, but um, it's really, really good. It's, it's a lovely book in general.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Uh...
1: I said it's a lovely book in general.
0: Oh, a lovely book in general. I got the. It's the lovely book, and then it sounded like you said in Genoa, and I'm in, like, huh? In, I mean, in Genoa, it's the, actually one of the,
1: the greatest books. <laughs>
0: uh, so you said this thing is uh, retailing for uh, just a hair under fifty dollars. Huh?
1: It's forty nine ninety nine.
0: Mm, boy, and uh, what, what, I'm totally out of touch on this. How how big is it? I'm sure it's oversized. Is it the size of this? The unfolded now, I, I strips said or? earlier
1: on um, to the people in uh, at Techland that I thought it was roughly the size of the, the newspaper and Douglas Wolk very quickly corrected and said that it's smaller but it's, it's definitely not I mean it's incredibly oversized it's not smaller to the point where you're like well that's far too small right. uh, the only thing I think you could arguably say that about is the Flash comics mm-hmm. um, which I think really took full advantage of the size before and oh, now, yeah. now the lettering looks slightly small. But everything else looks, looks uh, perfect.
2: Huh, fabulous.
1: So um, yeah, I, I I would completely recommend this. There's also a sketchbook section at the back uh, with everyone pitching in, which is really nice, including things from um, Carl Kerschel from the for the Flash thing that do not see print in the final. Like he's got the complete Flash science crossword, complete with clues, so you can oh, fill it wow. in if you wanted. It's uh, delightful. You've got Ryan Hughes' logos. Uh, you have, I mean, the Ben Call of Wonder Woman, just a page of sketches is really, really great. Right? Paul Popes, Adam Strange sketches, Amanda Connor. Um, they've got the mock-up page that Mark Chiarello presented to DC to get it done in the first place back when it was called Sunday Comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, just, it's just, yeah, it's a really nice book.
0: Wow. Well, I, nice. You've actually upgraded this uh, to um, from mild jealousy to genuine envy on my part. Uh,
1: I'm I'm really. I, it's one of those. This says again, getting back to first world problems. It's one of those things where you get a, a review copy and you're really like, oh my god, this is lovely. As opposed to, I have to read that. <laughs> Yeah, yes, sir. yesterday I got another review package from DC. This is how I mean. This is completely ridiculous, and I'm aware it's ridiculous when I say this. I got another DC uh, review package yesterday, and it had the Jonah Hex graphic novel, mm-hmm. the the one that um, Jimmy Palmiotti is doing with Justin Gray and Tony D'Zugare or D'Zuniga or whatever his name is. Um, and honestly, I was like, I don't want to read that, which is so ridiculous. I, you know, they've given me a free book to read. <laughs> And honestly, I was just like, I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, they should shoot me when I say things like that in my head.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, on the one hand, sure, sure, you're getting books for free, but you don't always get to call the shots on what you want, and then you feel obligated to. And, you know, some of the worst things that I've, I've, I, things that still haunt me in the dead of night are, I've only asked for like, three review copies in my entire life and and actually I think somebody else submitted one to me and I've still to this day done reviews on of them and i i just kind of feel like a creep for that you know because
1: well if, if you asked for one why did you never get around to reviewing it well uh,
0: you know what can i say I, I kind of expected that i would have a different uh, take on oh, it or it,
1: it's true when you get a review copy mm-hmm. um, if you hate it i always feel really bad i always kind of not want to write about it if someone has given me a review copy and i hate it
0: yeah yeah i mean that's I kind of that thing it, it kind
1: of feels ungrateful Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, I hmm I, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds. Or sometimes it's just sort of you begin the, for me, Lord knows, the the number of sort of uncompleted pieces sort of laying about, at least in my head, you know, are, there's at least a half dozen of them. And some of them are those review copies, like, and I just, you know, where it's it's also kind of, you, you think you've got an awesome, at least for me, it's like, um, one of the things that I asked for a copy of was, um, uh, Guido Crepax's The Story of O, which got repackaged in a very, very lovely little hardcover by NBM.
1: Yeah, that was for review.
0: <laughs> it was, <laughs> God damn you. Um. That's what,
1: that's what they call it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm in here reviewing a book. Um, <laughs> Actually, before you, you go on, I'd say, um, I was... Tempted to ask Dynamite for a copy of their Black Kiss hardcover because mm-hmm. I remember reading a lot of Hard Kiss, uh, Hard Kiss, uh, Black Kiss when it <laughs> first came out, and Hard Kiss is the greatest thing. I've- I know, I really was.
0: I'm not going to say anything. I'm like, oh um,
1: no, but I remember reading it when it came out, and I was, I don't know, I was what 15, something like that, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm convinced I would have an entirely different reaction to it now, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and i was like you know i'm kind of because i remember at the time thinking both you know wow porn comics and also this is terrible <laughs> um and like the more outlandish it got the more i was like holy crap this is just appalling um do <laughs> you know what i mean like have you read black Kiss?
0: uh you know i did sort of i mean it's... did
1: you review it <laughs> yeah,
0: I probably reviewed it once or twice, if you know what I mean. But uh but in terms of reading the whole thing, I actually thought, uh, on on the flip side of it that, that I thought that it was actually kind of um uh I, I, I thought it was actually a really good kind of porn comic in that you know, all the, there were obviously the sex, there's, first off, there was the fact that the sex stuff really seemed to turn, you know, obviously turn chickens crank in some scenes. And in other scenes, it's clear that, you know, there's, there's some truly, truly outlandish reveals that, that can, you know, obviously can only happen in that context.
1: Yeah, which is, which is the part where I was just like, oh, come on. I mean, I mean <laughs> do you think we should kill it? Do you think we should reveal it
0: here no. on this podcast? Wait, wait, yeah, is that what you're saying? What like. Like, like,
1: do, you, do you think people are listening to us and they might want to go and read it? If, if we go into detail about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, we might as well. Because honestly, I do feel that there's kind of that feeling of like, um, one, it'll be a hilarious contrast with our Sun- your Sunday Comics uh, review. Um, <laughs> and, and also, there's also, to me, I think the idea of like, Lord knows, I really do feel that those were not hard comics to get a hold of. You know what I mean? um Like even before this hardcover came about, I, I can't. Oh no, I'm
1: fairly. I've nothing else. I think it was reissued like relatively recently, as in the last five years, someone put it out again. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I don't, th- sure, I don't sure. think the Dynamite edition is is like you know bringing this thing that's been out of print for decades back into print. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, so this is this is what, and this is again maybe speaks to like the. the Fifteen-year-old, or when did Black Kiss come out?
0: Uh, well, I could jump over and look on the old uh, Google phones, but I'm I'm almost willing to bet that it was. I'm gonna
1: say it's like I thought it was like eighty-nine. I... I was
0: actually gonna say eighty-nine as well. So let's...
1: okay, so let, let's say it's probably somewhere around that, which would make sense because I remember being like fourteen or fifteen when I read it. <laughs> um, but this this is this is the point where like things got ridiculous. It wasn't the hermaphrodite thing; it was uh-huh. the vampire thing.
0: I felt the same way. Like that's really funny cuz I was like the hermaphrodite thing. I I remember as far as it particularly in in that sex scene reveal, I thought that that I remember just kind of laughing cuz I thought yeah, that it was cuz it's, kind
1: of, it's kind of comedic and it's also kind of not. I don't know if it's making fun of the porn cuz like I for all I know like that's the way that hermaphrodite porn always goes. Um, <laughs> but but like it, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, this almost becomes something that's been self-parodic and therefore you know funny and 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 fun but like the part about oh and by the way this cult is also vampires and they're i was just like oh really seriously they can't just be like random perverts They've, they've got to be vampires i i really that was the point where i was just like i'm not interested anymore
0: yeah, no, I, 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 kind of, I kind of felt the same way, which is, which is funny because Lord knows, uh, I, I would have to say that the vast majority of people read much more vampire porn than hermaphrodite porn. Uh, Blackest
1: came out in nineteen eighty-eight.
0: Eighty-eight, yes, indeed. So you, we were, we were quite close, and, um, and according,
1: according to um, comic book database, it was last issued in nineteen ninety-three, which I'm sure is wrong.
0: That is completely wrong. I'm I'm almost gonna go out on a limb and, and say that that's in fact, let's cheat and see if we can find a copy issued on Amazon.
1: I'd like to point out, uh, when Matthew Craig said the other day that he could hear one of us typing. It must have been <laughs> you because when you just said that all I can hear is tick 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 Yeah,
0: no, it's very true. I uh I, I do have a tendency to um I, I think we can hear us and and it was kind of funny. I was sort of like, I don't know if I should feel completely creeped out that you can hear that or not. I think it's okay.
1: I mean, oh. it's not like he could hear what you're typing. It's not like you're typing an email or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. That hear. would take some really good hearing.
0: He's like, G-R-A-E. Oh, he's he's writing a note to Graham. He's, I hate my listeners. Wow, that, <laughs> that jerk. Yeah. Um, and, of course, obviously, I love my listeners, so. Um, you know, I son of a bitch, I think they're right. I'm looking on here, I cannot find.
1: I could have sworn it came out like five or six years ago again. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Right. Maybe it's one of these things that Amazon's taken away because it was porn, you know? Yeah, yeah. But no, I, 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 it was, I, it really was the vampire thing. Mm -hmm. And here's the funny thing, like, I have not read, I would say that I've not read my fair share of porn comics. Mm I mean, it, it, uh, I think it's Black Kiss and Gilbert Hernandez is like it is the extent of my my no, not, reading
0: not Birdland?
1: no 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 Some, something else I can't oh, remember okay. what it was um, mm-hmm. which you know it's, it therefore probably not count as porn comics it probably counts as like Gilbert Hernandez and his obsession with big breasts um, <laughs> but like both of them were, were uh, the I as actually I've read Lost Girls mm-hmm. which right. is arguably the worst thing in the world <laughs> Uh no, but what I was going to say is, like, all of them had the effect of... Even Black Kiss when I was 15, of, um, of not working as porn, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Not doing the thing you expect porn to do. And wow. maybe, maybe this is just um, me speaking to the fact that, you know, comics don't do it for me.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, it kind of... I think, that, I, I think Black Kiss... Where like as well for me, as far as it worked for me, is that it does seem almost parodic, and I think that's one of the few things that you can. I think that's one of the few things you can do with porn comics. I almost like make fun of porn.
0: Uh, hmm. you know, it, it's it's kind of funny that that you mentioned that, uh, because I sort of remember for me anyway that that 1988, I'm tempted to say did did, Birdland and Eros Comics, did all all that stuff got. I want
1: to say that was, like, 91
0: I Yeah, I almost want to say that it was later, but I'm not sure that it was. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking, uh, Birdland the comic. Wow, really, Wikipedia? You don't know what that is, honestly? I even well,
1: surely if you Wikipedia. look up Gilbert Hernandez, you're going well, yeah, to
0: get... Exactly. yeah, exactly, which is where I'm checking things out. Um... Which just has a notable work section. All right, you know what? Just screw you guys. I just kick you in the slats here. Um, I, I I kind of felt yeah. that that um at least you know when when started publishing Eros comics, there were a number of titles um, that really really failed uh, as porn. Obviously, I mean in the sense of you know if they weren't kind of badly written and ugly, they were sort of um. Designed to make you, you know, to to get the sense that you, if you pick this up looking to to get aroused, you were a hateful person and should be mocked, you know. Um,
1: which, which translates incredibly well to Graphics, other products at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Which which Fun um... Fun graphics, a self
1: loathing publisher. <laughs> I, I can ah. I can tell you, having looked up comic book database, that um, Birdland came out in 1990. Wow. Okay. I can so... also tell you, and this is this, I can't believe this is true. Um, Birdland came out in 1990. It then mm-hmm. was reissued in 1992 and mm-hmm. then 1994. However, it also tells me that in Little Archie in Animal Land in 1957, there was a story called "I Shit You Nod Boobs in Birdland." <laughs> isn't it? I now kind of wish that was on the internet so I could read it.
2: The boobs boobs on... and
1: Birdland starred Archibald Archie Andrews, Fred Andrews and Mary Andrews, I'm guessing that's his parents, Betty Cooper, Dilton Doily, Jughead Jones, Jughead, Boobs and Birdland, that's all I'm saying, Veronica Lodge, Reggie Mantle and Moose Mason. Doesn't actually give a plot, however.
0: No, because what you really want to know is who's in a story oh titled gosh. Boobs in
1: Birdland. <laughs> Poops and lands. okay? Another story is the same issue. Animals in action. Good it's... lord. know. <laughs> also, the loud mouth on <laughs> 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 And red-headed remora. What? You're mm-hmm. kidding. Nope. That one just starred Archie Betty Veronica, apparently.
0: So, wait. Was this regular Archie or little Archie from 1957? It's little, it's little Archie. Okay, so Little Archie from 19. I, I've
1: never seen Little Archie before, and now I'm looking at it. That's fucking horrendous.
0: <laughs> there were some awesome Little Archie stories, though.
1: The, the cover of Little Archie in Animal Land um, features Little Archie, Little Betty, and Little Veronica, all of whom apparently have serious dental work in their futures. Um, and they're drawing in, you know, the, the, the very Archie cartoony style, next to some photorealistic deer which (laughs) just makes for the (laughs) strangest picture
0: I just love the idea that you are now going to either A. become obsessed with Little Archie and hunt down the the comic or B. talk about Little Archie for the rest of the podcast thus presenting a new hurdle for our listeners to try and clear um, for those of us
1: other than my accent
0: well, I don't know if the accent's really a hurdle anymore. I just think the whole idea of like, well, apparently talking about, you know, a, Howard Chicken's porn comic from 1988 wasn't going to be, you know, um, old enough. So now we're talking about it's Little Archie Comics. It's just been reissued.
1: It's just been reissued. No, I know. Technically, it's sort of,
0: which is why we turned around and spoiled at least one of the story points or two of them, I guess. Well,
1: the, uh, here's the funny <laughs> I I didn't read it to the end. So for all I know, there could be like multiple reveals after that. I literally Great. stopped when the vampire thing, or whichever reveal happens, like, because I, I definitely know the one that's marked out, but I won't say the vampire thing happened afterwards.
0: No, it did happen afterwards, and I, it was the same thing. I kind of quit reading at that point,
1: because it just seemed
0: really... Um...
1: It just seems, like, weirdly gratuitous.
0: Right, that was it's exactly sound, like, such way. a
1: strange thing to say about a porn comic, but it really did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I it, it it also yeah. It just sprawled out in in all directions. That was like one of the least interesting directions that it, it could go. Um, it, I mean, that was the thing that's really odd, I guess, about about Black Kiss is you sort of would expect that if anything is going to sort of get out of hand, I suppose that it it would be sort of the sex scenes would become less and less relevant. Um, not the idea that the plot itself just becomes too sort of, like you said, gratuitous and capricious rather than the sex. I mean, in that sense, it's the exact opposite of porn almost, you know
1: what I mean? It it, it just is, I don't know, but that's, that's why I wanted to read it again. I wanted to read it, you know, not as a 14 year old, 15 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and see if I had this different reaction to it. And also, when I know that the vampire thing is going to happen, am I going to have a different reaction to it? Right. But, um, but anyway, so I, I never, I, I didn't ask for the Black Kiss collection. But you were to, you, this all started because you said you asked for the story of O.
0: Oh yeah. I, I had asked for the story of O and, um, you know, there had been, I think maybe seven or eight months before that collection, they, NBM announced that connection <clears throat> Uh, sorry, that collection. Uh, Paul Pope was had like sketched a couple of pages that he posted on his website that were kind of Creepax-influenced. Yes. Um, I actually I, remember him doing that. Yeah, and, and I was kind of like, okay, I think that it would be actually be really great um, to, to kind of get this story of O and then look at it through the lens of the artists who've come after... particularly Pope and kind of see what lessons that they have um, taken from him. And, and actually in a way, I think that Chaykin would be a really interesting comparison as well uh, with the story of O because, um, you know, Kripax designed his pages as much for um, a sense of design as for story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting seeing the, and, and, Uh, I guess for me, Chaykin is a guy who really, you know, the design element of his his comics obviously sort of moves front and center um, during those years. And so it'd be kind of an interesting contrast, and particularly for someone like Pope, who I feel like takes the design element of Creepax, but also keeps in a very heavily cartooned aspect to kind of keep the the vitality in the pages um, Mm -hmm. and so I thought it would be like, okay, this will be perfect. I'll, you know, pick this up. I'll, I'll you know, uh, pick up the Pope stuff and then I'll compare the two and bang. And, and instead what happened was I kind of got it and went, yeah, that seems kind of trite and obvious. I don't really know why I should write that. You know what I mean? Like you, you... Whereas
1: right now I really want to read that piece. <laughs> Genuinely, I, I would be very interested in seeing that. Hmm. Well. Uh, also, yeah. has Pope yes. done porn comics? He's
0: done stuff that's been lascivious, maybe even smutty, but I don't think he's ever done full-out porn.
1: The the reason I say that is I'd be really interested in seeing what he does. Yeah, yeah. Because Paul Pope is one of the few artists, I think, whose work could be described as sexy. Yes, I agree. And Um, the same same with um, Brandon Graham, whose mm -hmm. work is incredibly sexy and who has done porn comics.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Although, from what I can remember, I remember thinking that his... Sexy stuff is sexier than his porn stuff is porny. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, because I know that multiple warheads definitely started as a porn con. Mhm,
2: mhm.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm actually really glad that you you mentioned that because I was sort of I forget did we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about King Cat, uh King Cat, uh King City last time, did we?
1: We did not, and we really should because King City is just. It's it's one of those things that I, I think is wonderful, and I, the serialization is very interesting to me because it reads really differently in the serialization. Mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um Speaking as, you know, one of the few people who bought the, the Tokyo Pop Edition. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's a really different comic this time around.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, which is kind of, which is really, isn't that interesting that that's the case? Um I, I was really – I have to admit, I you know, you turned me on to, to King City. I think you lent me your your um, your copy, uh, and I proceeded to buy like – literally buy like three copies on my oh, own.
1: Oh, I, I would not shut up about King City. I remember I, – I can remember I picked it up at uh, Comic Experience purely because someone had said something on my – I think it might have been Christopher Butcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something like, you know, this is absolutely fucking awesome. And I picked it up because it was there, and I wasn't buying much else that week. Mm-hmm. And I had no expectation at all. And I remember just for weeks afterwards, she's been like, holy fucking crap. Right. <laughs> this is unlike anything I've read in a long time. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I was fascinated by it.
0: Now, is my memory like terrible? But I seem to think that like you lent me King City and I lent you my copy of Scott Pilgrim. Is that does that sound right to you? Or is that that is that off? is
1: horrifically wrong? You never lent me Scott Pilgrim. You told what? me I Scott Pilgrim, but you never lent Scott Pilgrim to you?
0: Really? Yeah, I could have sworn that I, all right. Well, I wonder what we swapped copies on then. You
1: uh, gave me copies of Yotsuba. Oh, maybe that's why. Um, maybe that's I'm well, empowered actually. Getting back to sexy punk comics. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you, I think it might have been a King City uh, empowered swap.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, anyway, to 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 jump back to to King City. Um, what I fell in love with it after you lent me the copy, and of course bought multiple copies. And then um, I have to say, I bought issues of the Image comic. Um, Pretty much just to support it, I kind of figured that I wouldn't actually get around to to reading the the individual issues until he got to his new material.
1: I did exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And at some point, I started sort of, I don't know, maybe flipping through it or reading it, uh, and I really ended up loving kind of the the sort of um, mini-anthology feel to it, almost, uh, because it, you know... As the, as the issues progress, you know, he, Marion Churchland pops up doing, you know, backups or doing, uh, doing the covers. Uh, James Stucco gets in there. In fact, he's, I think, in the the latest issue with that backup story about another cat master. Yes. Um, So there's, you know, there's just a few extra pages. And then, of course, Brandon's like doing new work inside the covers or his own backup stories.
1: And also he's slightly changing the lead story yes have you them, or is that am i the only one who's completely anal and has compared them
0: no no i have to admit i i got the sense that it was different but
1: but and i did not really it's them. minor things he's changed the lettering but not the text in some places <laughs> uh, he, no it's really really small and it actually has impact interesting uh also has impact where he does things like um runs the uh not the credits like all the copyright material Uh on story pages which he does in at least a couple of issues right um because it just it changes the visual flow of the page i mean he's he's very big especially when he's setting the scene on a lot of negative space Uh and so Uh when he's putting like the copyright box in there it almost makes it feel more claustrophobic which impacts how you read the rest of the issue Uh Uh but he's he i don't want to say he's a pure comics theorist, because he's not. But he seems to understand the comics form on a level that a lot of people don't. And I think some of that when he edits or when he changes things um, really impacts the story. And I don't know how much of that is intentional, how much is just he's like, well, I've got this to put in only of X number of pages. But um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's a really weird experience. And to anyone who's not Red King City yet, yeah, go out and buy it because even if you're not a complete nerd like me, it's really, really, really good.
0: Oh yeah, it's extraordinary stuff. I'll totally second that. And I mean you know, as I think I, I babbled about this, most recent issue was like two ninety nine and had like 32 pages of material, you know, or maybe closer to 35 and as somebody pointed out, it's all great material too, which is...
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's he's just... It's one of these – it's a title I wish would just continue, Passage Twelve, and it's not, and I understand that it's not. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he finished – I mean, he said something like he finished King City, the stuff that we're reading now,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, a couple of years ago. And so I just am curious as hell as to what he's doing now. Well, I mean – I mean, I know he's doing multiple warheads, but I mean in the sense of I want to see it, not in the sense of I don't know what he's doing. Right,
0: right. Um, I I definitely get the sense that – and this is one of the things that I find – uh, it could could be a um, an obstacle to the enjoyment of of the King City issues, but I, I ended up like really liking. He's putting just a shitload of work into, for example, that you know inside cover or that wrapping story. So there's a weird kind of to me a kind of weird time machine flow in that the first six issues reprint the trade but there's a lot of really new stuff in it too, you know, and then yes. when you jump to the new material, it's actually older than the new bookending material in the first six issues. So there's kind of a weird, you know, like an episode of lost sort of feel to it in terms of like, there's a flash forward and a flashback and then kind of a sideways in terms of, you can feel his art is changing. You can even get the sense of how it's different on the page um, but in a really weird subliminal way. And like you said, I, I feel that affects the um, the way that you read the material or the way that you feel about the material. I think that it's actually, um, it ends up benefiting the material because it sort of gives it a, uh, um, I, I, when I first read the, the, the um, Tokyo Pop collection of King City, you know, the thing that's amazing is there's just this, you know, huge massive amount of work that's done really masterfully and and feels incredibly loose but very consistent Um, and then in the individual issues what I like is that he and uh, Stucco, I apologize I'm sure I'm saying that name wrong and Churchland uh, are all very different artists but they're all incredibly um, facile about being able to you know, change their style minutely, and so it's really fascinating watching Graham's work move backwards and forwards in time, and see something that's consistent, but you f- you can feel it sort of changing. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, entirely. And, and so
1: the other
0: thing is, sorry, on your... oh, oh, I you I, Oh, I and I'll wrap that up here. Is so consequently, each one of those issues ends up feeling incredibly organic, like maybe not necessarily. In you know better than consistent it feels like a very organic growing thing each issue feels sort of slightly alive which I think really kind of suits the way that King City the story itself feels so kind of strangely like organic and without feeling messy
1: you know. That, that kind of touches on what I was going to say which is the way the issues are constructed with the the, the new material um, and the fact that you know, sometimes, not that the story starts in the cover, but there's information on the cover that informs the way that you read the story mm-hmm. um, in a way that there aren't in other comics. Uh, King City, to me, feels like pure comics. Feels mm-hmm. like the work of people who literally understand comics on an instinctive level, and even though they do think about this, don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just it works as comics. mm mm-hmm. um, in a way that I can't think of anything else out there right now does. I can't think of any other comic out there that feels the way feels as natural and organic to use your word as King City. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I I totally agree, although I think that it's it's um it's kind of funny because i I think at some point I'll talk a little bit more about you know this finally got me interested enough to pick up uh, orc issues two and three um, mm-hmm. and flip through those uh, and i was I was going to talk about that maybe a little bit as sort of a as sort of a segue um, but,
1: have you have you read um Stokoe's other thing the uh on two um I want
0: to say that I did that was done as the the is an, an OGN? Was that yeah, true? The, the
1: other, yeah, there's two of them, too, on the OGNs.
0: Yeah. Um, I
1: and it's get, space truckers, and he's, he's like a chef.
0: Yes, right, exactly. I get it confused a little bit with um, with Corey Lewis's Shark Knife, which was a little similar, I think, for some reason, in my brain.
1: Um, what well, I was going to say is I think that Wanton Soup, I, it sounds terrible to say, like, he's really close to Graham's work, but not as good. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's definitely an element of overworking it in a way that Graham doesn't.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I well, or let me say this. I think I think one of the things that um, really that that Graham understands so super well, and he and he even says it. He pretty much tips the hand in like I think one of the back pages or something where or his letter pages where he says he quotes Mobius as talking about there's two ways to do something really well. It's like you either do it. The super simple way, or you do the incredibly detailed approach. Um, and, and one of the things I really love about Graham's work is he will opt to do a very, very simple approach. Um, and then, like just two pages later, he will figure out a way to crank up the amount of information that's hitting you. Um, and it's incredibly impressive. Uh, Flipping through stain two and three before just today before we talked, one of the things that has kind of that, it, a lot of it feels always cranked up to eleven. You know, it, even just the fact probably that it's in uh, color and it's colored, so even when there's you know a quote unquote simple image, the the amount of um, detail and information in it that's that's kind of hitting you, it always feels like a ton. And although I think that Stucco is incredibly uh, um, talented and able to to just put so much detail into it um, while not making it feel, I guess, over-rendered, I think there is a problem of it, it does suffer a little bit from feeling like there's no... It's just always on the accelerator. And I think why Graham's work really works for me is he knows when to take his foot off the accelerator, you know?
1: Yeah, Also, and this might just be me, Grail's work, not that it feels like it never hits the accelerator, but it feels very relaxed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, effortless, you know, is kind of a cliche, but it does feel like he hasn't really had to worry about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe that's what I mean when I'm talking about pure comics, but it it feels very... um... Confident. Yeah, but not just confident. I, I I'm sort of hesitating for saying what I want to say, which is it feels kind of stoned. <laughs> does that make sense? Though?
0: Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. I. I... Um,
1: and and but but it does. It feels very laid back. It feels very um, I don't know effortless. I'm gonna go with effortless.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although I think I think stoned isn't such a, a bad um, adjective either. Not not necessarily in the idea of using it as to whether that's. You know whether that has any basis in reality or not, but I, I think it does get at that. Um, you know, it, it gets it. One of the things that I think one of Graham's strengths and one of the ways in which he works uh, in in the vein that he does is is clearly the the I, I think both Euro comics and. Um, the under American underground comics from the '70s both have their influences on his work, um, and they do in obviously in a piece like Orkstein uh, as well. Cl- I mean, very clearly. Uh, but I feel that, um, but Graham really kind of has that sense of, uh, you know, for me when I was a kid, like picking up an issue of Heavy Metal was um, always amazing to me because of that weird. Like, I mean, you pick it up and it's like boobs and blood and boners and starships and, you know, Ranzarox and eye mutilation. And yet, it the pacing is just a morass. You know what I mean? Because it's usually like seven different serialized pieces, at least at the time, of, of Eurocomics. And so it's all being doled out at six pages at a, at a go. And it always seems like, for me, I was picking it up where it's, like in the middle of you know it's like just as you're getting used to one person's like you know the the space empire of the majestic boobies suddenly you're getting like you know six pages of like guys in apartments talking to each other that are just painstakingly watercolored and so any any traditional sense to make any attempt to make traditional sense of the pacing when you pick that stuff up when you're really young just goes right out the window you know cuz it's it's not even a, a complete story or a complete chapter. It's just these segments. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, I kind of like the, the sort of uh, eternal story structure that King City has, where it sort of saunters along at its pace. Um, there's a lot of plot hooks that are in there, but you don't necessarily know when you're going to get what plot or even why. yeah
1: yeah no exactly um Um, i I just it's funny we're talking about um you know stoner stonerism let's call it that um because once on two is a complete stoner comedy like it's it's openly like i it's been a while since i've read it but i seem to remember that literally about half the book is just about getting high (laughs) um and i remember then being really let down by that I being like, no, you didn't need to say this. <laughs> we all understood before that. Um, yeah, it does. it's strange. It's like, uh, I mean, there's there's an element of King City that I think you can definitely be traced back to something like a heavy metal. Um, but in terms of the pacing, I think one of the reasons the pacing works in its strangeness is that it wasn't constructed to be single issues. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the fact that you really are just getting, you know, chapters 7 and 8 of a 16-part story mm-hmm. that he built as one book, um, really affects facing because he could, he could pace it more uh, deliberately in, in the Tokyo Pop ver- version, and then by the time he gets to the Image version, you know, you're just getting segments, but... It works because of that, I think. I think it works because sometimes there's not an event in quotation marks.
0: Right. I, You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm, I'm actually going to, to disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I, at least in terms of I agree that it works, but, like, um, uh, you know, back when I started trying uh, – I wanted to write a number of column, you know, pairing columns where I looked at comics that I was reading sort of and compared and contrast them with each other just as a loose thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the things that I really wanted to do, because they were the comics that I was picking up and reading first and I realized resembled each other, is Kink City is very much like the flip side of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Criminal. You know what I mean? Um
1: no, well, King City will have to explain that one. To me.
0: Okay, good i I, I will try. Uh, King City is 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 a crime comic, you know and and the the hooks the the three big character hooks that that you have running through the stories are frankly not stories that would feel out of place. In criminal, you know, you've got the um, you've got the guy who falls in love with the the woman that he's escorting. Uh, you've got the um, master thief who's kind of still broken up about his ex girlfriend while um, being sort of manipulated by this mysterious new woman in his life. Uh, and then you've got like the the war veteran. Who is kind of haunted by the memories of what he did in the war and his kind of skeevy connections to this drug underworld that he can't kind of escape? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think when you put him like that, you—I can totally see.
2: Well, yeah, I said
1: when you said that, I could totally see what you're saying, and I also had this reaction, and this is going to sound horrible, of thinking, "Thank God none of these stories are like criminal." <laughs> Do you no. know? What I mean, like, I can imagine Ed and Sean doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, it would just be another criminal story, but what makes King City work for me is that it's not told in that way.
0: Exactly. And that that's kind of my point, is is that these are real fundamentals. Like, when you strip them away, these are fundamental story hooks. You can see how Baker and Phillips would do it. And like you said, there's kind of that feeling of, like, oh, it would just be a criminal story. And, I mean, that's... What it means is that 's something that would be really interesting and I think and enjoyable on its own, but what 's awesome is to me it underscores everything that King City I guess is not. You know what I mean like it has those hooks, but the thing that's amazing about it is the div- the digression away from those hooks like the the hooks are there to kind of keep you coming back or even to keep Graham on track as far as his storytelling goes. But in terms of what he wants to convey, I feel like he wants to convey um, a kind of, Hey, this is life as it's lived kind of thing. You know, these are, th- you know, there's a whole bunch of things of like, these are the things that are worth, that make life worth living that I feel are just filled in King City. You know, it's like, it's one of those books that really always makes me feel very uh, happy to be alive, I guess, or gives me a lot of things that, that I appreciate in my own life. It kind of underscores those and, um, and that's so. My point is that's kind of clearly the point of the work. I think, even if he was doing, um, if he was doing individual issues as opposed to breaking up for a collection, his focus is kind of like, I think, how do I, um, how do I beat you know line up the beads of these moments that I want to tell on this super strong storytelling hook that that'll keep people you know turning the pages. Um, rather than sort of like, well, here's my attempt to tell a crime story and tell it through the lens of this particular time in this particular place. I feel like those things have their 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 purpose, but I don't feel that they're the main purpose. Um, whereas, like, clearly with something like Criminal, where it's super strong genre storytelling... By, by, just by defining it that way that means that the story gets pushed to the front, you know, the plot and the hook gets pushed to the front
1: I agree Hooray! That, that's, that's just how I would respond to that because you're entirely right, Jack, you're right <laughs> Really, Graham? Because
0: I have to say like, now I'm completely worried like, I mean, what do you mean when you put it like that? I, I'm like how did I offend Graham? Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Suddenly, it went quiet on my end, and I'm like, oh, God, and there goes the
1: router. I I heard a pop here as well, but (laughs) it actually could be because there are crazy thunderstorms um, happening here. Really? Crazy thunderstorms? Yeah, it was very dramatic thunder earlier. Oh, wow. Dramatic enough for Laura Hudson to Twitter about it, which I thought was kind of funny.
0: That is hilarious. I'm really sorry that I missed that Twitter. (laughs) So it's been forty-eight minutes. Do you, should we jump, and I can call you right back, and we can talk oh, about more stuff. Oh,
1: let's jump. Yes. Do, do you know? But we should. We'll talk about next. Uh,
0: what do you know? Are you going No, to I'm do? asking. Oh, damn. Okay. I'm like, oh, great. And Graham's got it lined up. Um.
1: Oh, know, I, I, I can, I can think of things to talk about. I,
0: yeah. I, I figured that you could. I figured I could cross-examine you about comics that I haven't read yet, because I think that that'll be pretty interesting are,
1: are you horribly behind in your comic reading uh
0: only by a week or two so i sort of wanted to talk about hellboy in mexico because i i really thought it was an exceptional piece of work
1: um, which i have not read but uh, almost everyone i know who has just loved it
0: it is amazing and i and uh we can talk about that a little bit and then i, I can ask you are you still fo- are you following brightest day at all or not? that's
1: one of the things i want to talk about Excellent. All right. Well, then we've got a it now. It's all organized. <laughs> Woo! All right. Uh, I think you have to cut that part out. Otherwise, the healers be like, what what, what? what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> These people have no idea. Okay. We're like winging it. <laughs>